0: It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey.
1: Good. Good morning. Beginning of Advent. Look it up. Uh, and yes, week four of the series, we're teaching Change Your World in 52 Days. And uh, if you joining us for the first time, great to have you here. And you're like, oh, week four, what a bummer. I missed the first three weeks. Let me catch you up. And then you can also catch up for yourself. Really, this series is just a very, very brief flyover of some of the life and leadership of a guy named Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah wrote this account that we've been learning from. So this is kind of a little bit autobiographical from Nehemiah. And he enters the the pages of history, 444 BC, okay? At a time where, uh, now he was of uh, Jewish lineage and the Jewish people had actually been Uh, defeated by the Babylonians in Jerusalem and taken captives. And ultimately, they kind of just dispersed around the known region, living very much in exile. And in fact, they've been living in exile for about 140 years. So Nehemiah himself, he'd never ever been to Jerusalem. That was actually the land of his ancestors. The problem was that when the Babylonians took the Israelites captive they also destroyed the city and left it behind ripped down the temple ripped down the walls the gates basically the whole deal since the babylonians defeated the israelites the persians defeated The Babylonians, this happened a lot, Uh, a lot of change, a lot of uh, turnover of superpowers at the time. And so when Nehemiah enters the pages of history, the Persians were now kind of the superpower of the region and they had allowed some Jewish people to return to Jerusalem. And some of those people had tried to restore Jerusalem to its former glory and for a variety of reasons, they had failed. Nehemiah was living sixteen hundred kilometers away and actually working for the king of Persia. So he was like a butler in the palace for the guy who was kind of now in charge of the known region. And Nehemiah learned about the state of Jerusalem. Learned that it was still in ruins. Learned that the people were discouraged. That they were kind of a bit of a bit of a laughing stock. Of, of, you know, like, is really, you're the Jewish people? You call yourself God's chosen people and you can't even build a building? You can't even resurrect the temple? what's Plus, living in a city in those times without walls and gates meant that literally every moment of every day, you were vulnerable to the next <laughs> marauders who might come looking to knock you off your perch. So this is kind of where we we, we left it uh, last week, if you missed any of the first three weeks, we have our podcast goes out every week on all of the major podcast platforms. Just type Elevate Church Perth and hey presto, we'll be there. But when we left things last week, uh, Nehemiah had gone back to Jerusalem with the King of Persians blessing and he would gathered the people, some people there and they got busy beginning this kind of like, let's... Let's try again, shall we? Rebuilding the temples, the walls, etc., of Jerusalem. And when we left things last week, they had actually finished half of the walls. And Nehemiah, being a great leader, uh, he took time to celebrate the milestone. He actually organized the concert. And uh, I did a little bit of sleuthing this week and I was able to find a little bit of the concert that Nehemiah put on to celebrate the fact that the walls were now halfway built. Here we go, look. (laughs) It's amazing, it's amazing. See, now we're not at risk of Bon Jovi's copyright lawyers coming, looking for us, because they actually stole that song from Nehemiah. (laughs) It was only eight seconds, don't tell the lawyers. <laughs> um Hey, listen, if you've got your uh, phone, uh, we're going to take you to Nehemiah chapter 6. You can just scan the flow code here, use your camera. It's going to drop you into the message version. So we've kind of taken a fly over the first five chapters, some of the high points. This story continues far beyond what we're going to cover off today. So as Jared very astutely pointed out, this series has not gone for 52 days. And uh, even if it had, we probably wouldn't be able to cover everything. But, you know, just some of the high points. And I'm going to drop us into chapter six today. But really, this is like a companion message from last week, where the big idea is that whenever God calls you to do something, and if and when you get about doing the thing that God's called you to do, the enemy will not give you a free kick. The enemy will do whatever he can to get in your way, to stop your progress to stop you ultimately completing the thing that God's called you to do. So here we go. When Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies, now those three clowns popped up last week. They were like political opponents. They weren't Jewish people. They'd been enjoying uh, some some. Something of a, of an ascendancy to political power in the in the region, while the Jewish people were were powerless and scattered. And so now that the, that Nehemiah is bringing the Jewish people together, and they're seeing some progress and some success rebuilding the city, these guys understood that there was a new threat to their power, to their uh, prestige, and probably to their to their uh, fortunes as well. And so they were already trying to get Nehemiah and the people to stop finishing the thing that God called to do. The rest of her enemies heard that I, I prefer we, but I didn't write this, had rebuilt the wall and that there were no more breaks in it, even though I hadn't yet installed the gates. So these guys were launching a fresh wave of opposition. Okay, last week, we talked about these same guys try to discourage Nehemiah and the people. Like, you know, take the courage out of them. Get them to to be saying among themselves, it's too hard, it's taking too long. We're never gonna get this finished. And and Nehemiah had to rally the people to focus on God to defeat discouragement. So these guys are like, well, discouragement isn't working. What else have we got? Uh, uh, I know, here we go. And they tried something that, this was 444 BC. The thing they tried is more prevalent now in 2022 than ever in the history of humanity. And one of the reasons this is more prevalent than ever in the history of humanity is that one of the things that characterizes 2022 for you and me, is options. See, back in the late 1900s, which is 25 years ago, uh, back in the late 1900s, if you opened the fridge or the pantry and nothing spun your propellers, too bad. You either eat what's there or you go to bed hungry. Those are the options. If you had finished rolling through all five channels and and nothing kind of caught your attention, well, sorry, turn the radio on and sing along. Speaking of music, if you had gone through your CD collection to find something that you were in the mood for and nothing kind of hit the mood, too bad. Well, guess what? Here we are, brand new century. Everything's changed. We have options. You don't even need to look in the fridge. You don't even need to open the pantry. Feel like something to eat? There's an app for that. In fact, there's quite a few apps for that. Um, feel like something to watch? Hmm whatever, shall we watch? Well, you can just go on to any one of these services and you will collectively, let's go next one, you'll collectively find what I would call uh, more than a lifetime supply of viewing pleasure. And if you have a VPN, go back, if you have a VPN, well, I'm not gonna comment on the legalities of that, but let's just say it opens up even more options to you. That's all I'm gonna say. And then of course, music, yes. Steve Jobs, when he first announced the iPod, he pulled it out and he said, a thousand songs in your pocket. And we look back now and go, yeah. How how pathetic. (laughs) Now these platforms, music, food, TV, along with social media platforms, along with online shopping platforms, Have the challenge in a crowded landscape of almost endless options of trying to get our attention, which is hard, and then try and keep our attention, keep us coming back for whatever it is they're offering, because there's just so many. Options and because we live in this light, and by the way, I love this. I like options. I don't like being told what to do. Hello. Don't tell me I have to be home at Wednesday at 7:30 p.m. to watch this particular show on channel 10. I'm gonna tell you when I'm gonna watch it. But this whole idea of living with options has changed how we squirrel. It's changed. It's changed how we engage. I didn't need you to put your hand up. I already know the answer. Has it, don't put your hand up. Has anybody ever watched TV whilst doom scrolling Instagram? Of course you have. It's called double screening. You can't limit me to just one screen. I've got two eyes. I will watch two screens. But it's never been so easy to be distracted. When Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I'd rebuilt the wall and that there was no more breaks in it, even though I hadn't yet installed the gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent this message. Come and meet with us at Kefirim in the Valley of Ono. And what we, yeah, I know there's a clue. No spoilers here. You think they would have done a bit more research, like Google Maps, one that says, "Oh yeah," no, no, not that smart. But 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 here's here's the big idea today. If the enemy can't discourage you and defeat you that way, he'll try to distract you to get you off task, to get you off the wall and to get you to do something that God hasn't actually called you to do. And <clears throat> distraction, as it, one of the reasons distraction is so powerful is that it actually doesn't necessarily look problematic. You see, when I've seen people move away from the thing God's called them to do, they've still filled their time. You know, it's funny, are you busy? Yeah, I've used all 24 hours, just like everybody else. Everyone uses 24 hours. You don't get to bank them. You don't get to recycle them. You don't get to on-sell them. It's, it resets at midnight. And this is one of the things, is, is that people that I've seen over the years who have moved from what God's called them to do aren't typically, some are, saying, well, I used to do what God's called me to do. And now I move back in with my parents and I just play video games. Like, there, are I, I, I can give you names. But most people, that's not their story. Most people, it's like, I was doing what God's called me to do. I'm not doing that anymore, but I'm still, you know, doing stuff. I'm not a total bum. Okay, so so on the surface, it just can look like, you know, they're still busy. And the other reason that it, it's a little uh, seemingly less problematic is that, again most of the time people aren't moving from what god's called them to do to something evil or something bad once again i've seen that happen but a lot of the times it's it's moving away from what god's called them to do to something that's not bad but it's not god's best but it's very easy to kind of just slide into that place it's not bad I'm not, I'm not a serial killer. Yes. I've thought about it most Monday mornings, but I've never acted on it. But, but the big lesson that we're about to see is just because you could do something doesn't mean you should do something. The filter is is this what God's calling me to do? That's the filter. In this moment, I, I've got options, I could do these other things, but is, is this the thing? Is this what God's calling me to do? So Nehemiah, big brains, says, I knew that was scheming to hurt me. So I sent message. He didn't even go and tell them himself. It's like, I'm, I'm not even gonna waste time on this. Sent message back with this. I'm doing a great work. I can't come down. Why should the work come to a standstill just so I can come down to see you. Why should the enemy set the agenda? Why should the enemy start dictating terms? No, I don't answer to you. I don't work for you. I wasn't called by you. I was called by God, and until God says we're done, you can get off the wall now. It's finished. I'm staying here. I'm going to keep focused and and and, and ultimately, I'm going to finish strong. And this is the the title of the message. I'm going to finish Strong, finish, strong. Here's one thing that's vital for us to understand because not only do we live in a society where we have lots of options, we also live in a society where our expectations of of how long things should take has shifted, right? Like I know people who get frustrated with their microwave (laughs) because it's taking too long. I don't even own a microwave, but this is like, I've heard stupid microwave 90 seconds. You'd think somebody would have invented something that cooks food fast. And yet the reality is, despite us having conveniences and many of them good, when it comes to building some of the things that God calls us to build, they will take time. God does not serve instant coffee. Your grandma does. And I'm sure Jesus loves most of what she does in life, but it's definitely not on his list of approved things, instant coffee. In fact, you probably heard the expression, it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, and, and actually, it's a very apt metaphor. It's one of the things about marathon running, now marathon running or marathon jogging or marathon enduring or marathon suffering, whatever your uh, interpretation of it is, requires you to start at one place and finish at a certain place, or maybe it's out and back, but the point is 42 kilometers, okay? And there's a relatively common phenom in marathon running called hitting the wall. Where is the, the you know average person's jogging along in the marathon, doing their bit, and get to typically about 32 kilometers, and it's like, oh dear. Now there's physiological explanations for it. Sometimes the explanation is you didn't do any training, uh, but there's actual other physiological explanations to why this happens. But but it's it's an incredibly common scenario. The marathon is forty-two kilometers, and at thirty-two kilometers, something inside you says this is a terrible idea. <laughs> your best option in this moment is to stop, get an Uber, <laughs> and go home and cry. That, that like, 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 your, your your body isn't actually like subtly suggesting this your body is screaming at you saying this is not just your best option. If you take another step, you're going to discover this is actually your only option. So quit. But the reality is you didn't start a marathon with the goal of getting to the 32-kilometer mark and then crying in the back of an Uber and getting dropped home. You did hopefully some training. You got up, Earlier, didn't press the snooze button seven times. You got to the start line and you got to the 32 kilometre mark with the actual goal of finishing 42 kilometres and getting a medal. Like, not a participant medal, a finisher's medal. They don't hand out finisher's medals at the start line or at the 32 kilometre mark. They hand them out at the finish. And, and, And so... And by the way, that last 10 kilometres can be misery. Can be like, like you are just saying on endless loop, why did I ever decide to do this? But you get, you get to that finish line and a few Gatorades in and a couple of bananas and a few slices of watermelon and maybe you got to the front of the, of the free massage line, whatever it is, you start doing a bit of Vox Pops with the finishers and the overwhelming majority of them are telling you when they're going to do their next marathon, when they're about to, so I can't wait till next year or next month. Or, and, and yet, if you'd stuck the microphone in front of their face at the 32 kilometre mark, they would have just been a blubbering mess. <laughs> Finishing strong, it's, it's not actually automatic. It's not assumed and it's not necessarily going to be easy and, and one of the things that's going to take us out is being distracted. Is despite not yet having finished, we get distracted and divert our energy, resources, time onto something else without actually first asking the question, God, are we done? Like, we finished? And until he says, yes, keep building what it is that he's called you to. And you think, you know, Nehemiah sent them the message. They went, yeah, all right. (laughs) It was worth a try. Four times they sent this message. And four times I gave them my answer. The fifth time, same messenger, same message. Sanballat sent an unsealed letter with this message. Just by the way, uh, this is Sanballat escalating things. The, the unsealed letter was, was something that was designated to be read in the public sphere. So, so what we're about to read was about to be read in front of all of the Jewish people that had signed up to follow Nehemiah into rebuilding the city. And so, (laughs) they tried discouragement, didn't work. They tried distraction, didn't work. So let's just add a little bonus strategy. Let's try discrediting. (laughs) (sighs) This makes me weep. The word is out among the nations, which is an old way of saying, everyone's saying everyone's thinking oh I guess him says it's true (laughs) there's a little hint by the way if someone comes at you with an accusation and they have to throw in a few kind of additional people to it's like it's either true or it's not that you and the Jews are planning to rebel that's why you're rebuilding the wall the word is that you want to be king and that you have appointed prophets to announce in Jerusalem, there's a king in Judah. Well, we're gonna go and dob on you. We're, uh, look, we're gonna take a chance. We know that snitches end up in ditches, but we're gonna, no, no, we, we like to live dangerously. We're gonna go and tell the king all of this, which is hilarious because the king's the one that sent Nehemiah <laughs> with his blessing with his resources, we're going, to, like, we're going to tell the king. And Nehemiah's going to be like, yeah, okay, sure. Knock yourself out. 1,600 kilometres away, but you know, when you get there, tell him I said hi. How's the wine? He's just like, really? Don't you think we should sit down and have a talk? Again, trying to set the agenda. And I sent him back this. There's nothing to what you're saying. You've made it all up. They were trying to intimidate me into quitting. They thought they, they'll give up. They'll never finish it. I pray, give me strength. Um, you know, whenever you... Uh, not whenever. Sometimes and oftentimes when you step up into the front lines of what God's called you to do, um, you will, like, some people will come at you with accusations about your motives. And, And these are actually the harder ones to disprove Because, you know, no one knows intention. They only know action. So this could be plausible. Like he's built this thing that no one's ever been built before. That's the action, which sort of should be celebrated. But now they weren't weren't attacking Nehemiah for the action. They were starting to try to discredit him for the intention. And that's the harder one to disprove. Because you could say anything in your defense, right? No, no, I'm not, but but maybe you are. And there's no way to prove that except something I've learned is that time and truth walk hand in hand. That, that it, it may initially get some traction, this accusation about your intentions among some people. And you can run around like trying to put the fires out or you could keep doing what God's called you to do and trust the time and truth and that God will use that to ultimately vindicate your intentions. Which is exactly the approach that Nehemiah, he, he he just did this, not true. And he prayed, God, get him. And then he just got back to work. And then Tobar and Sambalat Pulled another stunt. You can read that for yourself. Verse eleven fourteen. Nehemiah saw right through that. And then the war was finished. On the 25th day of Elul, it had taken 52 days. And when all our enemies, time and truth, walk hand in hand. When all our enemies heard the news and all the surrounding nations saw it, our enemies totally lost their nerve, they knew God was behind this work. So I'm going to pray. And uh, sorry, these jeans are getting out of control. I actually bought them without the rips in. I can't afford the ones with the rips. <laughs> now they look expensive because they're falling apart. It's just very strange. Molly, we need, you need to update. Like, How come they're more expensive when they're very little fabric holding them together? Um, what a crazy world we live in let me pray and uh, one of the things that we talked about at the very outset of this of this series was two things one either is there something that maybe God had called you to do in the past that you didn't take up at the time and if so you know this could be an opportunity to kind of just reach back and, and pick it up uh, or wait and or um, the idea that maybe God will, will, will call you to do something and you'll get that clear, clear, more clarity and a clearer sense as we've been teaching this. And so if that's you, I don't, I'm not going to get you to stand. Um, but if that's you and you know who you are and God knows who you are, I want to pray for you. Because uh, the, the power is in the doing. The power is in taking the next step, not the intention. It's the intention that then sparks the action. Um, and, uh, and if God's calling you, then He's got something incredible that He wants to do for you, in you, and through you. So let me pray and then uh, hand over to Jared. So God, I thank You that Your Word is alive that your word is powerful, that you continue to speak to us, that you continue to call us, that you aren't a one and done God, that, that, that we're not just looking at something through the lens of a history book, that, God, that, that you are the same God who called and empowered and inspired Nehemiah and the people to ultimately do something that, 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 that his fellow countrymen had essentially assumed couldn't be done because you were behind it all along and that you had ultimately earmarked it for success and for the plans and the purposes that you had in mind. So for those of us, God, that you are calling to either reach back and or to take a hold of something new, I pray that we'll be obedient, that we'll trust that you will give us the courage, that you will give us the strength, that you'll continue to lead us and guide us and we'll follow you and we'll stay focused. That that you'll connect us with the people that we need to have in our sphere to together do what it is you've called us to do. And that ultimately, as it was for Nehemiah and the people, that you will be glorified because of what's been done in your name. Amen.